So I went to the co-working space, but it turned out to be very, very different to what I had expected. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Wannabe Entrepreneur. My name is Tiago, and uh, this is the episode where I share about my week. If you are interested in knowing how the life of a bootstrapper and indie maker is, with no filters, without uh, filtering the bad stuff, but actually showing you what it's like. I think it, there's not a lot of content where you can actually see and feel the struggle, the wins, and everything that's going on uh, with uh, full-time indie makers or even side uh, indie makers, people that are doing on the side. So it's not all easy. It's actually quite the opposite. You have some great moments, but they always come after a lot, a lot of work. And in this episode, I will tell you the story of how I tried my first coworking space. Actually, it's my second coworking space. But uh, I want to tell you that story because it's a really funny one. I will also speak about uh, going back to marketing and finally getting back to my working mood after my amazing holidays. It took some time to get back. So I'll talk a little bit about that. And I also want to speak about when to quit a project. I've been uh, thinking about it. I'm, I have my community, which is my main source of revenue at the moment. But I've been analyzing a little bit. That. Now I want to speak with you about it. And I think you can also use what I've learned in your own um, in your own projects. And besides that, I have some exciting new projects going on some uh, market analysis that I've been uh, doing. So I also want to share that with you because I think it's really important to do some research before even writing one single line of code. So without any further ado, let's get started with today's episode. In the end of 2021, I think it was November, I wanted to go to the web summit. I had just moved back to Portugal from Germany and I had the chance to go to the Web Summit. It's super known. It's the place for uh, startups. And since I had my podcast, I, I was a full-time entrepreneur. I thought it was the perfect occasion to actually go and uh, meet other bootstrappers. Back then, I also had my project change it. So I thought, okay, maybe I can even meet some people also in the area of sustainability. I can get great feedback and maybe even some potential investors or partnerships. So I tried to get some tickets. And if you remember correctly, I was able to get a beta ticket, which is basically a ticket for startups. So I participated with Change It. I got it. And it was actually not a bad deal. I got uh, three tickets and for, for the price of one, actually. And um, I, I could sell the other two. And I even add a booth. So in one of the days I could um, present my company. So it was a good deal. But then I asked around. A lot of people told me that it was still not worth it. So I thought, okay, maybe I can get a ticket for free. Because here in Portugal, a lot of people win these kind of tickets. And I was uh, checking out on Twitter. And finally, the, the occasion came. I, I just saw that someone was giving tickets away. Some uh, I think it was... Um, the account on Twitter, the tourist in Portugal account, something like this. And to participate was really simple. You just have to pitch an idea for sustainable tourism in Portugal. 
and I just gave a very, very simple idea. I, I told them that I wanted to create the Uber of sailing. I remember with my interview with Michelle that the best way to explain some idea to potential investors is to compare with something that they already know it makes money. So I just thought, okay, the Uber of sailing. And I didn't have to say much more. I, I got the prize. I, I really believe that not a lot of people participated. So that's why I, I got it. But I was super happy. I got two tickets to the Web Summit plus one month in a co-working space. Later, I realized that the tickets I won was not for 2021, but for 2022. So I ended up not going to the Web Summit. But uh, this year, I'm there, baby. I got my tickets. Yeah. And I'll cover it in this podcast. So it's a good, uh, a good motivation for you to keep listening to me. So... I also got the co-working space. One month co-working space. I, I could just go there for one month, meet people, work there. And co-working spaces, they are not cheap, right? They are quite expensive, actually. It can cost up to 200, 300 euros to have a desk in one of these co-working spaces, which for a bootstrapper is a lot of money. So I was super happy with this opportunity. Also because I was feeling a little bit lonely that uh, I wanted to meet other people, I'm an extrovert person, I, I want to go and, and meet others, right? So, yeah, it was finally the time. It, it took me some time, actually, to collect the prize. I kept sending them messages, but to be honest, this is quite normal here in Portugal. Some services, they're just super slow, I just don't get it. So, I kept sending them messages, I, I sent the, um, the Startup Portugal. So, Startup Portugal was actually the entity that was giving this co-working space. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Kept sending them emails. And finally, they got back to me. And I said, Tiago, um, you won the prize. So when do you want to claim it? And they asked me to plan one month when I wanted to go there. And I told them, okay, can I do it from mid-June to mid-July? They told me that I could. And I went. Yeah. Last week, after recording the Tuesday's episode, I left to go to this co-working space. The co-working space is really located in the center of Lisbon, in Baixa do Chiado, next to Bairro Alto. It's amazing. I thought, wow, I'm finally leaving Lisbon. I'm here in the center and I get to come here every day for a month. And it's actually like 20, 25 minutes uh, by metro from my house. So it's perfect. So I get there and I look to this old classic building and the building says Ministry of Economics and the Sea and the Ocean, which is an interesting combination of a ministry. And I get in and it's super classic. There's uh, the reception and I ask where is the start of Portugal and they point to a door. I look to this old door and I start walking. I knock. And I enter. And the moment I enter, I see a room. The room should be maybe, I don't know, 60 square meters or something. And there's people working. There's desks. There are these, um, you know, these gaming kind of chairs. Yeah. All of them have gaming chairs. And people are just working. And everyone looks at me. Like, I don't belong. They look at me as like, hello. And I say, hey, I'm here for the co-working space. And to be fair, that did not look like a co-working space. You know, when I tell you co-working space, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Is this kind of nice vibe, a little bit hipster, with uh, these nice chairs, multiple colors, and 
you know, this kind of tech vibe, let's say. And this was just a very classic office vibe. You had normal gray desks and, and then these, I guess, gaming chairs, which was cool. And, and then a bunch of people. And they told me there's no co-working space. Uh, I was very, very confused because I was sure that I was in the right place. So I kept insisting. But I don't know, I felt really embarrassed. Everyone was looking at me and I was clearly in the middle of an office, like a normal office. And uh, they finally realized that I have won the prize. So they asked me, did you win the, the prize that we did? And I said, yes, yeah, yeah, finally, thank you, thank you, yes, I, I, did, I did win it and uh, I'm here to claim it. So one of the persons, she was super nice and she called the responsible, the, the person that actually organized the, the prize and, and talked with him a little bit. And uh, then she told me, okay, here's your desk in the middle of the room, like with all the other people. <laughs> so what, what I realized it happened is that there was not a co-working space and I did not win a co-working space seat for a month. I got a seat in a company for a month. So I sat down, I opened my laptop and uh, I started working, but I was working in the middle of these other people. All of them, they know each other, all of them working for for this entity that is the startup Portugal. I then asked where was the bathroom. They took me there and I, I kind of took a peek into the kitchen, which was also an like small kitchen. So nothing, nothing like what you would imagine a co-working space to be. After a while, the I guess the manager of the startup Portugal came to me and, and made a few questions, and I finally kind of understood what Startup Portugal is. Startup Portugal is not an accelerator, is not, um, it's not a co-working space. It's basically an entity that works with the Portuguese government to promote entrepreneurship in Portugal. They told me that they were actually the reason why Web Summit came to Portugal, which is amazing, to be honest. It's something that uh, I really admire. And then I was, of course, listening to their conversations and they had very interesting conversations, also a lot around sustainability, so I thought, wow, okay, this is cool. These people can be great for my network. I can really learn a lot from them. And if I have questions or if I want to start some new projects, I can count on them. But I didn't feel like I was in that environment, like this co-working space environment that I was looking for. I thought that uh, this was not better than my place, than my office. And um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of there while I was working, I was thinking, what the fuck? Like, how can they tell that this is a co-working space? How can these, they give this kind of price? And to be honest, I don't really understand who would use it. Because if you are a full-time maker, you probably have an office or a place where you can work. And if you are working for others... Uh, then obviously you wouldn't have time to go to a co-working space. So I was a bit disappointed because they were not clear uh, with what I have won. Uh, so they told always it was a co-working space. And uh, at uh, around four, they asked for coffee. They're like, okay, who wants coffee? And and I, <laughs> I realized that you actually have to pay for coffee. And I know that this sounds very entitled, because I'm a spoiled developer where I basically had everything for free while I was working for other companies. 
But for me, coffee is kind of this basic necessity. And when you are the entity that brought Web Summit to Portugal, you know the impact of this? Bringing Web Summit to Portugal was basically bringing tons of companies to Portugal, bringing the attention of the indie makers and entrepreneurs to Portugal. And the conditions where they were working, I was like, why? I mean, they should have more, right? They should at least have free coffee. So that also got me a little bit upset. At around five, I decided to leave. Uh, everyone was still working. And um, I really didn't know what to say. In my mind, I kind of already had decided that I would not return. But I also didn't want to tell them that because they were really nice, really nice people, hardworking, doing great for, for the country, for the entrepreneurship. And... Uh, I don't know, I, I didn't want to, to transpire the wrong feeling, that I was ungrateful. Luckily, they didn't ask me uh, if I was returning, and I just said goodbye, thank you, and I left. After getting home, I was still considering maybe returning, because I realized that I only gave it one day, right? So if I would go every day for a month, I guess eventually I would start to get to know these people. And maybe this could also be great, as I told you, for, for networking. But to be honest, at this moment, I just want to focus on my projects. I have the community where I can speak with a lot of other indie makers. So I didn't feel the, that I would have the energy to go there and try to cultivate these relationships because they were not in my scope. Uh, they are, of course, entrepreneurs, but I guess they are not bootstrappers or indie makers. So yeah, I got a little bit sad with this situation because I was really, really looking forward to a, like a proper co-working space. And then the next day I went to a coffee place to work. And more and more I realized that coffee places, they're actually the co-working spaces for us, for bootstrappers. They are cheap, they have coffee, and for the price of the coffee, you get to stay there, you get Wi-Fi. And you normally see other people working around you. I always question, though, like, what are they working? I would love to get to know them. And uh, after that, I, I was even thinking, okay, maybe this could be another idea. We can make a co-working space for bootstrappers, a place that would be cheaper, accessible, where you could meet others. And I was immediately checking this idea out with, um, with João, uh, and I, João is the, um, I interviewed him, I mentioned him quite often here in the podcast, and I, I quite often bounce some ideas with him. And uh, he, he had Cookie Dough, if you remember from, from the interview, he, he had a, a business around uh, selling Cookie Dough, and he had kind of imagine a coffee shop. And he told me that the margins are really, really low. It's really, really hard to make money. And we tried to like make some basic calculations around it, and we said, okay, no, this, this business is probably really hard. So I still didn't find a way to solve this problem. The problem of uh, feeling less lonely or, or to actually work around other people, right? In the same physical space. Because I think the, the problem of feeling lonely, I kind of fixed it with the community. But sometimes I would just like to be surrounded, you know, to have this energy because I'm surrounded with other bootstrappers. What I end up convincing myself is that once the community grows we'll have multiple people in basically all around the world and you can start meeting them, right? We'll have multiple people in Lisbon, in Berlin, in Singapore, in uh, Los Angeles and people can meet other W members, go to coffee places and, and work, each one of them in their projects, but they are together and then they can, of course, 
support each other. So that was my adventure around the co-working space. This was on Tuesday. After that, I, I think I told you also in the last episode that I've been thinking in other businesses and other audiences, something completely different. And you know that I love sailing. You, you know it. And, and there's also a big problem that I have here in Portugal that I, I still haven't solved it, which is I want to sail more, but I don't have a boat. And renting a boat is extremely expensive. I think that we can do better. I think that we can have more boats that are rentable and they are cheaper. So I had this kind of this idea of uh, creating a company where we would rent boats. And of course, I wouldn't have the money to buy the boats in the first place. So I could just rent people's boats. And this is what they do in Croatia. This is what they do in Greece. This is what charter companies do a lot. They have companies that are owned, private owned, and these owners, they give it to the company so that they can make some money out of it and then they share the profits. So I thought maybe this is a good idea. And I started doing some um, some market research. I, I started bouncing ideas a lot again with Drone and I, I started really asking people. I reached out to people that uh, have boats uh, that I know and I started asking a few questions if they were willing to rent their boat, if this is something that they would be comfortable with, what conditions would I need to offer for them to be comfortable with that situation. And uh, it was really nice. I, I, this is something that I think everyone should really do. You should have your audience and you should get to know them and understand what are their problems and what they are willing to pay for. And uh, it's a bit awkward though. It's a bit awkward to suddenly start reaching out to people because sometimes you don't really know them, right? So they're not your friends. They're not people that are, you are comfortable with asking these questions. So for me, it's something that is always a little bit awkward, but... I, I think it's crucial. Everyone has to do this. You need to understand your, your market. You need to understand your customers. So I started doing some, some of this market research. I, I was writing everything in uh, Google Docs. And then um, the only company that does something similar to what I'm doing is the sailing school. Um, unfortunately, I'm not able to rent from them now because their boat is broken and they have no other boat to replace it. But it was always, always packed. It was really hard actually to find vacancies for that boat. So I thought, okay, there's a huge market for it. So I, I tried to reach out to them and, and make questions. They were nice. Uh, I couldn't meet them in person. I think it's always better, by the way, to meet them in person. Or at least do a call because then the conversation is more fluid and, and it's it's harder, it's easier, sorry, to, to make questions and, and to get some uh, responses. But in this case, the person was not available for that. So we just end up um, exchanging some messages. was good, but I still feel that there's more I can do. Um, in the end, I was really optimistic when I spoke with the boat owner. It seemed that it was somehow easy to convince them to rent their boats because they also want to make money. They don't use their boats um, all the time. So the boat is there and they're spending money in marinas and maintenance and so on. So they want to rent it. So that part seemed easy. The part of the business itself, like insurance and legislation and all of that, I don't know, the the school guy told me that it was not worth it somehow, but I think there's still a lot for me to understand. Uh, he also told me that the reason why they are losing money is because the 
boat is broken, but then, okay, if you have another boat, then you can just replace it, right? So there's a lot of these little details that I still have to figure out. But to be honest, I'm still not sure if I'm ready to take on this challenge because it's such a different kind of business, business isn't it? Like I'm, I'm more used to these web businesses and something that I can do from my, from my office, from my home and having this different different kind of business the business of sailing where i would need to go there i would need to rent there's more responsibility right because people get get injured while sailing and stuff like that so there's a lot of variables involved that i, I i'm not comfortable with so i'm also trying to figure out if this is something that i really want to get into but i will continue doing more user research and try to reach out more to the school and overcome this shyness that i might have like always feeling a little bit shy i don't want to speak with them but this is crucial, so I'll I'll keep you posted with um with that situation. And uh, this was kind of midweek. Then uh, more towards the week, I I basically once I came from holidays, right? I, I told you that I felt the lack of motivation a little bit uh, in all aspects of my entrepreneurship life. I I felt that. I don't know, I felt discouraged about the community, about the podcast. Uh, I, I didn't get many interviews going. So it took me some time to get back into the flow. And, and it's funny even because I was chatting with Max um, two days ago and, and he told me the same. Same thing is, has happened to him. He is a member of the community and he has been a little bit out for, for a while. And now that he returned, he says like it's taking a while for me to get back into the flow. So apparently this is normal. Um, it makes sense. I mean, your brain goes to a completely different area. It completely disconnects. So you need some time to get into the flow. Actually, the same happens when you get into holiday, right? That you need some time to get into to, into holidays. And uh, I, I feel that I'm back now. I feel that I have a lot of energy. And I started rethinking stuff, right? So if you listen to my last episode, the episode I released on Thursday... Since I don't have interviews and I don't have like kind of the motivation to schedule them, I, st I will still schedule some interviews, by the way, but not with the, the same frequency. I thought, okay, let's do some analysis. Let's go back to older interviews and try to find patterns. So I released that episode that people really liked. And uh, I also really liked to make it. I felt a lot of energy, a lot of motivation. So I, I I'll keep doing that. And I, I got back to marketing. I got back to basically every day waking up and replying to all the indie maker, indie hacker questions. So the the website indie hacker questions, and always plug my community there. And I started to get users again. I started to get about fifty to seventy, eighty users, target users per day coming to my website. So I was feeling okay. This is cool. Something is is working. But then not a lot of new people were actually joining the community. And I, I got the same feeling, the same feeling I got before actually leaving to holidays, that this business would never really, really pay the bills or, or get me to the point that I, that I want to go. Or, or if it would, it would take a lot of time. And unfortunately, time is something that a lot of bootstrappers don't have because we're living from our savings. So... I don't know. I got I got that feeling again. I was sharing this with a lot of people, and people kept telling me, "No, you just have to keep on pushing." I, I shared this with Dagobert and and Lucy when they were here, and they told me like, "Yeah, for us, also took us four years to get there." But I don't know. It just just doesn't feel fluid. And then I remember talking with Mark 
um, LG, right? So if you if you listen to the last episode, you you remember this as well. When he said that it was easy for him, when he built a product and it was just easy, customers were lining up and they were willing to share their screen and their passwords and everything because they really needed this product. So I thought, why don't I have this? I mean, I have a good product. People are happy. Why don't I have people lining up to join the community? So I, I asked Mark on Twitter and he told me that his conversion rate is 30%. 3-0. This is crazy. Like 30% of the people, of the target users that come to his website end up actually converting. This is a huge, huge number. And then I asked Luca, I also interviewed him here, and uh, in this business, he says that he has a conversion rate of 10%. So for you to understand, my conversion rate is lower than 1%. That's a very, very big difference. I'm having the target users coming to the website. I'm having indie makers coming to the website, but less than 1% conversion. This is a red flag, I think. This is something wrong because I've tried everything. I've tried switching my landing page a lot of times. I've tried multiple target groups, multiple features. I've tried speaking with the users and everything, but nothing really works. So my only conclusion is that even though the problem that the community is solving is a very important problem, which is people feel lonely when you are an indie maker, it's really hard to find like-minded people and you don't want to feel alone. You want to meet others. You want to get advice from others, feedback, motivation. So definitely there's a problem there to solve. However, I do think that there are already a lot of solutions. Maybe there's no amazing solution. Maybe the community is the best solution. But there's a lot of other solutions and most of them are actually free. People can use Twitter. People can use Indie Hackers. People can use other communities that are free. There's co-working spaces. There's, there's your friends and family. A lot of the bootstrappers are actually doing this as a sidekick. So they have their companies and their peers. So that's kind of what I realized. That maybe there is a problem. Maybe this, the solution is the community. However, there's also a lot of other solutions. And that's why the conversion rate is so low. So I don't know. That day I felt a little bit down. I felt that, okay... Maybe this will not work. And I started rethinking. It's okay. It's okay if this doesn't work. Because I still have this audience. I still have my indie makers audience that I really, really enjoy. I understand their problems. I understand what's the lingo. How to communicate with them. So it's just time for me to go back and start something new. The community will still exist. And hopefully will still grow. Not at a, a very rapid pace. Uh, because that that is obvious, but it's okay. It's still there, still growing. I will still maintain it, and I, I'm really happy to use it myself. To be honest, like a lot of my friends are there, my my indie maker friends are there, and I like and I, I get a lot of energy from them and, and support and, and feedback and everything. But I'm thinking on other ideas, and uh, I, I I'm even a little bit embarrassed to say this, but I, I will try an info product. <laughs> yeah, an info product and. Uh, hopefully you will not hate me um, because a lot of people are like, oh my God, first you try community, now I'm for product. You didn't, you didn't even made made it with, with a SaaS or something and, and now you're trying to teach others how to do it. But hear me out. I've interviewed so many people, right? I've interviewed more than like 50 entrepreneurs. 
indie makers, people that have succeeded and people that have not succeeded. I found a lot of different patterns. Besides that, I'm also doing this for a year and I've met a lot of other makers that are doing their projects in the community, on Twitter. So I think I, I came up with a way to launch products and make money from these projects. Of course, I cannot tell you that I will help you get to Raman profitability because I haven't done that myself. But I really, I really believe that I can help you at least to reach your first bucks online. I can, because I know how to do it. I've done that with multiple projects already, and I've interviewed a lot of people. I, I, I think I have the framework that a lot of people need to follow to reach that. And, and it's not an intuitive framework. Like, to be honest, when I first started my journey, when my first episodes, I didn't know it. I learned it on the go. I learned it with the other bootstrappers. And now I gathered everything step by step on a Notion page, a very interactive Notion page that you can just use. And you can either use for new ideas or even for your current ideas. You can just get your current ideas and fill in all the spaces, all the blank spaces that I have in the Notion page. And I'm sure that this will really help you understand where are the potential flaws and why you are not ma making money. So I thought, okay, I want to I wanna do this because it's solving a problem which is the problem of uh, making money online. There's a lot of bootstrappers, but the percentage is actually making money. It's so low. I just did a poll on Twitter that got more than 80 votes and uh, about 50% of the people that voted are making less than 10 bucks MRR. 10 bucks. I mean, I think I can get you to 10 bucks. I, I, I'm able to get 10 bucks. So I think I can, if you work and if you follow a certain structure, I think everyone can get there. So I thought, let, let's try to solve that problem. Uh, and then if you solve this problem, maybe you can get to 100 bucks, 500 bucks, 1000 bucks. But at least the first, you know, money, like it's, it's important, important. You learn a lot by doing that as well. So I thought, okay, this could be an info product and I can connect this then with the community afterwards. So I've been working on this info product. I've been collecting a lot of feedback. I'll give it for free to the community and hopefully they will also give me good reviews and uh, I will work through this feedback that I get from the community. And once that's done, I will uh, probably, I probably use Gummy Search because everyone is using this. And uh, I, I'm thinking about selling it for, um, it's a one-time payment, obviously, and it's $15. And with this $15, you also get one month access to the community because I think they complement each other really well. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Let's see. I'm working on this hard. I really enjoy it. Uh, I'm getting the feedback. And uh, yeah, soon I will let you know how this goes. But uh, hopefully you can also use it yourself so if you're interested in using this for your own projects i will let you know once it's available but uh, if you really don't want to miss out just follow me on twitter follow me uh, at wb podcast and i will announce once it's ready and that's it that's it uh it's, it was a busy week a lot of things going on but um, also an important week this conversion situation it was really really important for me and i think everyone should also measure their conversion and try to understand why it's not or if it's good or not just just try to understand that right like uh, now you have a reference you know that there's people making 30 percent there's people making 10 percent so if you're making less than one percent maybe there's something wrong um 
Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. It was a pleasure to speak with you, like always. If you like the Wannabe Entrepreneur podcast and you want me to continue doing this, you know what to do, right? Right? You can buy me a coffee, you can share with your friends, tweet about it, or you can become a member of the WBE space. It's $10 per month and you meet other like-minded entrepreneurs. Besides that, this coming Thursday, I will have another special episode where I will go through multiple interviews and show you things that I've learned. So get ready for that. And this was another wannabe entrepreneur. See you next time. By the way, the people in Startup Portugal were really nice. I, I don't have anything against them. All right.